0: Okay, um, so this is what we're doing. We're talking about, uh, together, learning how to do this. Biblical approaches and practically or practical ways of more affecting walking with or in the Holy Spirit. How do, how do we interact with this person, with this being, with this entity? We could get into ontology and talk about all sorts of ways, but, but God is a person. God is a being. And the thing that separates us uh, from the apes is our intellect, but the thing that separates us from humans is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us. That uh, Anybody could have Christian philosophy, can talk Christian talk, walk Christian, do Christian things, but the Holy Spirit, being born again by the Spirit is the thing that primarily separates us, and can and should separate us. So we're looking at beliefs, which we're doing today. We're looking at a framework, which we'll do some more of next week. <clears throat> And we're also learning and practicing different ways. I listened to a uh, <clears throat> TED talk today. I forget the woman's name, but it was it was sort of not fake it till you make it, but that was what she said. But it was about how how what we do with our bodies changes what we believe in our heads. And she talked about. Um, being in a in a car accident she's brilliant in high school was in a car accident it reduced her IQ two standard deviations they wouldn't let her in college well she's a Harvard PhD now so you can know the story but she said I learned that when I stood like Superwoman or like Wonder Woman what happens in my brain is it begins to believe it begins to take on it's like when we read a book Uh, 87 percent of people who read books hear the voices of the main characters in the books in their heads weeks later when they encounter similar situations they go you know that's and so we're very our minds are like this tool that can be influenced by all different kinds of things you wonder why the discourse in the nation is so vulgar just watch reality TV for a few hours and if you had a steady diet of that you'd go well yeah yelling is how we do things And so, um, because God made us, Holy Spirit knows that we are deeply influenced by the things that we soak in, the things that we indulge in. And so, um, that is not manipulation, that is the way we are, that is how we operate. And so, when we talk about practicing, it is not illegal, it is not New Age, in fact, it's Psalms to... Imagine the characteristics of God visually. So David says, I I hide under your wings. Jesus said, like a mother hen longs for her children, I've longed for you. See, and so, because those things bring characteristics. So our imagination is a doorway of connection to God, just like our brains and our intellect is a doorway to connection to scripture, which is a doorway of connection to God. So there are doorways of connection to God. And we shouldn't be afraid of our imagination. We should only be afraid if we begin to control the connection rather than observe it and assess it against truth and against the word. And so there, there is tons in here. I'm going to get back into that about that. But I want to say that right on the front end. If you don't have a book, uh, they're free or $10, whichever comes first. And if you don't have money but want a book, take one. Um, we have got some uh, some folks who... who uh, underwrite us and, yeah, you know, who's in it for the money. Um, And there's a place called freedomprayer.org. And we're talking some things out of this book and some things not. So there's 10 foundations uh, in here that we have found over the years. So uh, 20, 32 years ago, I was a young elder. That's crazy. Um, And I was just scared. And people would come to me and say, hey, I've got these needs. Can you help? And I'd go, what did I see on Oprah? Oh, I don't watch Oprah. You know, it's just that sort of, you, you just kind of have no idea what to do. And over those, over those years, um, so I probably prayed with, I don't know, 2,000 people with the nonprofit that we're with. And so over those years, we found beliefs and practices that make or break our ability to connect with Holy Spirit. They just do. It just works out that way. Um, and so we've been talking about those things because... Um, they help us in our connection. And so we, there's two foundations about God we talked about last week. Uh, number one, he's good and he wants us free. Um, if it looks like stealing, killing, and destroying, I wouldn't blame God for it. i just, I'd be careful. I'd be careful about that. Sometimes when something turns out really good, even though it starts out really bad, we think God was the origin and cause. Maybe he's just a better chess player than Satan maybe he took something that satan meant for evil and turned the tables on him because every time we cooperate with god he turns the tables on satan the crucifixion being the primary (laughs) example of that it was meant uh, for destruction and it turned out for salvation and we are all uh, examples of that as we as we walk through life and so um, and he wants us free we might think he's a good god but this is just my cross to bear. Dang it, it's not. Anything that doesn't look and smell like Jesus is fair game to be gotten rid of in his timing. Okay. So we talked about last time, you don't go out and pick every tomato in your garden unless you're wanting fried green tomatoes. You only pick the ripe ones. And in the same way, God works at the stuff that's ripe for change in our lives. If he confronted us with the list of all the ways we're not Jesus when the day we were saved, we'd honestly think it was too hard and we'd walk away. And sometimes religion does that, but Jesus never does that. Jesus says, it's not about sin, it's about my love for you. What you do does not control how I treat you, who you are controls, and who you are is, is my brother, is, is a child of God. Yes, sin has consequences, but sin doesn't damn you. It used to, but it doesn't anymore, because you're a child of God and you've been changed. Okay, so we talked, we talked about that, come on. So we're gonna talk about um, two foundations about the dark side now. Um, and I, I wanna say just one thing on the front end. How to say this in a good way? <laughs> um, Satan's success depends wholly, wh-holy, on keeping us ignorant and distant from God. Ignorant of and distant from God. Secondarily, ignorant of the truth in the word, but if Satan can keep you separate from God, if God can be truth, the concept far away, if 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 you can just not encounter the actual real God, you're kind of stuck. There just there kind of is no other solution to our life than encountering a real God in real time, and and living with that God. That's why Jesus said it's better that I go and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit because that is my answer to your need is a spirit who makes your spirit born again and then lives inside of you, your best friend ever. Science tells us that the one thing, the one thing that makes for happiness in old age is relationships. That's the one thing. And God said the one thing that I want to give you is relationships best friend, okay? And so we have hidden enemies. So look at this scripture. Be angry but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity. So this word opportunity is a word topos where we get topography. And so what does somebody look like who has let the sun go down on their anger every day for 25 years since their uncle abused them? What do they what I mean what how, how might you encounter them? What might they feel like to you, look like to you? What are some thoughts about that? Bitter, Bitter. yep. Angry, fearful. We react to that stuff in two ways. One is attack and one is retreat. That's how we react to things. There's always two kinds of reactions. And so if they attack, they'll be bitter, angry, they'll hate men. They'll, but if they retreat, they'll be fearful, they'll be shut in, they'll, they'll turn to something that doesn't involve... Okay, so, so we react two ways. And, and this says, look, don't give the devil an opportunity. So somewhere in there, there is, this, there is this place where I give ground, Scripture calls it a stronghold, a place within me that I do not fully control. I'm fine in most ways, but if you touch that thing, you're, you're walking in a minefield and you're going to pay the price... Of someone else's sin against me, right? And 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 God says, "Look, that's that's partially demonic." Um, so it, it says this about Jesus. It says he went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now you think, wow, Torah reading must have been a pretty wild time because we think of casting out demons as like spinning heads and you know, bad ski masks and stuff like that, but, but who would have thought that Josiah and Jacob and Mary and whoever had demonic issues in their life, demonic influence in their life? They were just guys in the synagogue, just like me, and yet Jesus says, look, this is a demonic influence in your life. This is what's going on. Every one of us has been influenced by the demonic, every one of us. There's another 20 scriptures like this. 2nd um, 2 Timothy two twenty four 24 says uh, the man of God should not be quarrelsome able to teach patient when wronged if perchance God will grant mercy to the one who's arguing with them and they might escape the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will I was with the pastor of a pastor of a big church a big Presbyterian church and he was saying, you know, I don't think Christians can have a demon. I said, we asked, could Christians have a demon? I said, sure, but why would they want one? You know, and that was like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say. <laughs> but but it's like we never think of possession is is was a bad translation of a word d- demonizo, which just means influenced by. So we never think in terms of possession, but we do think in terms of influence. We always think in terms of influence. There, we're in a spirit, we don't battle against flesh and blood. There is an influence of the demonic. And that influence of the demonic is designed to create a separation between us and God. It's designed to confuse us, to, to take advantage of situations. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. But so this is what. So Satan has strategy and he has tactics. So this is where it says, put on the full arm of God, that you may be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. So that word strategy means a well thought through scheme designed for you. We're gonna talk more about that in just a second. So that, that's a long-term, if you look back over your life, you say, you know, the same kind of stuff kept happening. Or it happened once and it kept being reinforced. Wonder why that is? Okay, that's called a strategy. I'm not going to talk about sources and origin of demons, but there's tons in the book about that. Here's another one. It says, If I have forgiven anything and did for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his... And, and this is a funny Greek word. I forget what it is now, but it's called it means mind-targeted tactics. So there's a tactic. So you're, you're in the middle of a discussion with your honey, and all, all of a sudden, this... Irreasonable, ir- Unre- unreasonable, irresponsible and unreasonable. Irreasonable anger comes up and you lash out and then you go, oh, I didn't mean it. Or there's, there's this fear and, and you're walking us and all of a sudden you're almost paralyzed by fear and you go, oh, what, what is that? Or, um, or there's, a, a lo- you know, there's all these sorts of things that go on and so you get triggered, you get, you get lulled, you get pulled into temptation. There's a suggestion that happens in our minds. The battle is in our minds. It says in Proverbs, as a man uh, acts as a gatekeeper, is the word. As a man acts as a gatekeeper within himself, so is he. Because Satan is targeting our heart, our belief system. And he does it by planting thoughts in the midst of our day. And when we um, don't act as a gatekeeper... Then we entertain the thoughts like we entertain a guest. Well, come in. Well, it's, yeah, we should think, yeah, you know, like that. And pretty soon, you're kind of off on this, this thought process of building a belief. And it, so it goes from suggestion, oh, this way. It goes from suggestion to impression to obsession. It become and so you can see, I knew of a woman who shot her son. Who was coming to visit her he came every night to visit her and he lived but but he said oh it didn't surprise me." i said like what she goes he goes she watches like crime stuff all day long she watches junk on tv and and she's over the years she's become incredibly fearful and i walked through the door and and she had a gun and she shot me in the shoulder <laughs> And it's like, what? okay, so where did that come from? How did that come? Well, it came because there was a strategy and a tactic. Um, flies, come in. Um, flies um, are around because there's doo-doo. <laughs> flies gather because of doo-doo. So when we talk about the demonic, if we get rid of the doo-doo, what happens to the flies? nothing to feed on. So our primary way of dealing with the demonic is getting rid of the thing that they feed on, the thing that they take advantage of us in. Jesus said, he's talking to the disciples and he said, is that that distracting? Oh man. (laughs) Jesus said, the evil one's coming. I have much more to say to you, but the evil one's coming, but he has nothing in me. No hooks. Sometimes when I teach us, I, I just walk through putting hangers all over my body while I'm talking. And that's what Satan does. He puts, he puts hangers on us that he can grab and jerk us around. Okay, That's the doo-doo that the demonic feeds on. So we are like the guy at the end of the parade with the shovel. Our job is to help shovel the doo-doo in each other's lives. And when we do, the demonic becomes a non-issue. It becomes a non-problem. In fact, Satan, in a sense, is trapped in this scheme of God because Satan will stir up something in us we we weren't sure it was there. Then we deal with it with a friend with God and we're more perfect than we were before. And Satan's like, ah, oh, that didn't work. Okay, so in a sense, he's, he's trapped in that. So, so we're, we're after doo-doo. That's what, that's what we do. Okay, so here's another thing. Your life is not... Wheel of Misfortune. Okay? The, the thing, so here's, here's, here's so the first, the first foundation about demonic is we have hidden enemies. Satan doesn't come and say, hi, I'm Satan. I'm here to uh, lie, steal, kill, and destroy, drag you to hell and destroy your family. Oh, great, let's hang out. You know, so, so he always comes disguised as an angel of light. He comes disguised as something else. And his goal in every life is to create what we call a double bind. That is, It sucks it's bad where I am and getting out seems really hard maybe worse right you can see this happening in Millennials by the score and that is I have left the church because it feels foolish I feel dissatisfied where I am but it seems foolish to go back to the church, I don't know what to do. There's thousands trapped in that double bind, thousands of them. It's like a massive scheme in our country because the foolishness of Christianity feels too foolish, but the emptiness of my Christian deism or wherever I've gone feels too empty, and now I'm stuck. I'm miserable here, but I don't feel like I can go back there, okay? So each of us is stuck in a double bind can be stuck. That's the plan. So that's number one. We have hidden enemies that work behind the scenes to do that with us. There are actual demons. Okay. Um, Secondly, your life is not wheel of misfortune. The things that happen to you are not random. Okay. They're not random. This is kind of how it works. You have a measure of Christ. So look at this word in Ephesians 4. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure, metron, where we get meter, the measure of Christ's gift. Um, when we work within the measure that we've been given, then the whole body measures up to the fullness of Christ. So it works like this. Jesus says, I'm going to give mercy to you and helps to you. I, I'm not going to start doing that. Go all around the room. Wise teaching to you. Um, the the measure, passion, the measure of Christ. Oh, man, stop. Um, the, the measure of Christ is given to me, a piece of Christ, something that's that, that I don't have to try out for it. I was made for it. Okay. There's something, um, there used to be an old teaching, I guess Bill Gothard says, woman, you know, is carrying a tray of drinks on her part and she falls and the drinks go everywhere. The person whose measure is mercy goes straight to the woman. The person whose measure is helps goes straight to the mess. The person whose measure is, is giving goes straight to the store. Right. See, and the, they all are doing the thing that they're compelled to do. The prophet goes, "Well, I knew that was going to happen." You know, it's like, and so that's why you have people in, in leadership who go, "That's fine. Get them up. We don't need you now." Okay, you know, unless you just want to encourage. Um, and so we each have a measure, and you will find that you go from place to place, but always within that measure of Christ. That place, that measure of Christ in you is your ticket to take back the kingdom of darkness. The place, your part of the kingdom of light, you're taking back by, by employing that measure. And you go from glory to glory. You do the works laid out from before the foundation of the world. You and Holy Spirit go on an adventure in your measure. And you, you encounter God, the part of God that looks a lot like the gifting in you. So if we asked everyone to describe God, the one with helps would say, God just loves to help people. He just, you know, and the one with giving, say, oh, he's such a great giver. And, and the one who's like, oh, I was talking about the love of God. They're like, oh, he just loves. And, and so, oh, he's powerful. You know, the one who likes to fight, you know? And so we all talk about the measure. That measure in you is the target of the demonic strategy. It is not random. Okay, when you look back over your life, you will find that the attacks, the strategy, the hardship, revolve around gutting or demolishing that measure. And if your measure is a a gentle gift, a giving gift, a mercy gift, a loving gift, then the attack is to destroy it, just shut it down. If your measure is a strong gift like teaching or leadership, the the attack is to pervert it into self-strength to pervert it into insecurity, so I have to rely on my big brain to, to be a really good teacher, and, and so, so smash the, the gentle gifts, just, just, just demolish those people so they're just, they, they can't operate, and the strong gifts, the outgoing gifts, to pervert them into self-strength. It just happens all the time, all the time. Okay, what are you thinking? What are you feeling right now? My father says, what are you feeling? Any thoughts? any lights go on some people not stop measuring yourself against other people's measure no. that's the attack too though yeah that is an attack for you particularly because your measure is so giving and so gentle right and so so that is what so what satan does is i'm going to smash your gifting and make you seem little and insignificant, ha. And it's like, that's because he's scared stiff of you. I mean, that's the deal. He comes after the measure of Christ in us primarily because if he didn't, he would lose even faster than he's already losing, right? Because you didn't get called sparky because you're not sparky. You get called sparky because you are sparky. Okay. (laughs) I mean, you know, sweetheart, everybody around you goes, oh my gosh, she's so amazing, she's so energetic, she's so full of life, she's so um, insightful, such a great mom. So Satan, you have no hold over this one. No hold at all. You're a liar. You're a liar. So, um, yeah, so So when we go after uh, the demonic, we identify what the strategy is. We ask, and so we say, Jesus, where did that come from? Will you you show me? How did I fall into this? And we we deal with that. We'll talk about that uh, in a couple weeks. We deal with that. and We say, Jesus, what's true? What's true about that in my life? And we listen. We listen to what he says with friends. Sometimes we say what's true and we hear the same voice we've heard for years saying you're a failure and you go Will the real Jesus please stand up, you know, and so we get rid of doo-doo why, why why do you think you have a right to say anything to me? What gives you that right? And sometimes a thought will come well you, you know um, There was a pastor who just said he said I, I just he said, I'm having nightmares that night. I was up in Canada. I'm having nightmares. I don't know why. And, and it's starting to spread to my life. I'm fearful. <coughs> and, um, well, I had no idea. You know, it's like, well, but Jesus knows. So says, Jesus, will you show him where it came from? And he's like, wow, I haven't thought about that in years. So it's like a dead giveaway. And he said, when I was a little kid, I was terribly afraid in bed at night one time and I almost—it was almost like a voice that said to me, "If you'll let me, I'll take care of you." And he said, "It felt a little scary, but—but but I did." And 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 so he said, "Well, ask Jesus if that was Him." He goes, "Oh no, it wasn't Him." So what would you like to do about it? And he said, "I, I would like to get rid of it." He said, "Okay." So so he prayed. so he said, "So I, you know, Jesus, would you blah 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 blah?" And And then he got a sudden picture, he's in a car. And in the car, he said, I see a demon sitting in the back seat giving me directions. And I said, is it gone? He says, no. I'm like, dang it. Okay. (laughs) No, you never know, there's always a reason. There's always a reason. So I said, Jesus, will you show him why it's still there? Why is it still there? And he goes, he starts crying. And he goes, I'm holding his hand. And I said, "Okay." So he's holding his hand because he's still fearful. He's still that little boy. And I said, "And I said, would you like to ask Jesus if you can give your fear to Him?" And He goes, "Yeah." So he goes, "J," and he says, so "It's like J." Sometimes you never get past J. In fact, most of the time, he goes, "J," oh, oh. and he's like, "Jesus is in the front seat. He's got his arms around me." and the door just slammed and it's gone. This, this day, today, well, this day, he's leading revival up in Cape Breton, Canada. That is powerful revival. Hundreds of kids are getting saved, alcoholic kids up in Cape Breton. That strategy was designed to make him too afraid to do that destiny call on his life. And he was miserable where he was, but getting out seemed impossible. Getting out seemed like I have to confront fears I don't want to confront. It's, I don't want to know why I'm afraid. I, I, right? And it was, it was 20 minutes. It just... Why? Because the thing the demonic was feeding on, he got rid of. He gave. He renounced it. He, there's a little more to the story. He renounced it. And then he invited Jesus. Jesus, would you be willing? Would it be okay if... We pray a lot of would it be okay if prayers. Jesus, would it be okay if... I gave my fears to you. Pray, would it be okay if prayers with Jesus? Would it be okay if? Will you show me? See, when we pray prayers like, what am I supposed to be when I grow up? God's like, oh, if I answered that, you go do it without me. I don't answer prayers like that. But if you pray, would it be okay if prayers? Will you show me prayers? I answer those every time right away. Because you and I are like this. And anything that comes between that, I'm ready to demolish with you. Just ask me. Just ask me. So we have hidden enemy who wants to destroy us. Uh, Issues aren't random. They're they're not random in your life. When you see the strategy of the evil one, you often see your gifting and calling at the same time. Um, Let me just say one thing. (laughs) Okay, here, let's, let's do that again. Let me just sing. He put all things under subjection to his feet. Okay, it is no contest. It is not like, you know, almost a tie and we just hope Jesus pulls out. He's already pulled it out. Okay, the only thing Satan has against us is deception and accusation. He deceives us into sinning and then accuses us of being a sinner. That's how he gets us in the double bind. Deception, accusation, deception, he has no real power anymore. He uses the faith we give him. He feeds on our faith. We give him the power over our lives. He has no power over our lives. None. Zero. He feeds on what we give him. Oh, you think I'm big? Come on then. Let me, I'll pretend I'm big. You'll give me the bigness I need because of your fear. Right? So he feeds on that. Okay, let's move on. Um, one thing I also want to say is uh, we are not about demons Nobody gets to be Buffy. We glance in the mirror, but we drive with our eyes on the road. We are after Jesus, not demons. We're after the fullness of God in our life, but when we encounter something, we stop, we deal with it, and we move on. Okay? So we're not like Buffy the demon slayer. That's we don't. We're about we've better things to do. Okay, does that make sense? So let's just put it in perspective. He's totally defeated and we're not after him. When we encounter him, we think, okay, what, thinks, what gives you the right? Why do you think you have the right to, oh, okay, let's deal with that. Jesus, I give this to you. I'm sorry, I pop, 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 and I move on. I've had very few knockdown dragouts with demons. I have had some, I've had some, you know. But it used to be a house in the country, a scream and demon deliverance session and honestly it's not a power encounter. It used to be back in the 70s. It's not even a truth encounter. It used to be in the 90s. It's a God, it's a Jesus encounter. We just ask God to come in and do what he's already done. I don't have to shout it out, and I don't have to come up with the best scripture to force the devil. I just say, Jesus, I need your help. I give the thing to you. What, what do you have for me? Would it be okay if I gave this fear to you? It's just like the answer is always yes and, you know, yes and a cool picture, yes and a memory. It's always yes and. And then it's what, what was this a counterfeit of? What do you have to give me in return? I mean, you just see people with their eyes shut and they go, and it's just it's amazing. And you go, Okay, was that real? Well heck yeah. I'm talking to God. If by the Spirit we're put into death the deeds of the flesh we will live, what does by the Spirit actually look like? It looks, it can look like this, okay? We don't have to make it into a big thing. It's like, Holy Spirit, I need help right now. I just lost my temper with my kids. Will you show me why I, I oh yeah, okay. And we're just, we're just having a conversation with our best friend. And we give the junk and we get better stuff. We give the counterfeit and we get the real. Okay? So this dealing with the demonic is not, it's just not a huge thing. But we need to understand. Okay, let's talk about any last questions on that? And there's, yes, you, Carrie. you use that phrase, Would it be okay? is there something special about asking the question that way? Um, because it is a question which our minds can grasp answers to. When I ask a complicated Jesus, what is the theology of the resurrection? You know, it's just like, oh, or if we, ask, if we ask questions that um, are all about trying to wheedle information out of God, he's after relationship from start to finish, and he's after our freedom from start to finish. And we've just found that, and there's a lot of phraseology in the book, we've just found that when we ask questions like that, we don't put up barriers in our mind of introspection or barriers in our mind of, of sort of, being too theological. It's just a simple question of a, asking a friend or asking a parent, Mom, would it be okay if I go to the show tonight? It's not, Mom, what should I study in college? And... It's relational. Yeah, it's totally relational. And it's something where a simple answer with a kicker happens a lot. It just, it, I, I guess it's because we know that we ourselves are not good at interacting with God And if we can make that interaction as simple and non-complex as possible, it, it makes it real easy for us. God can interact on any level of complexity, you know, but we can't. We need to ask simple questions. Would it be okay if, would you be willing to show me if, Jesus, why did this happen? Jesus, why am I feeling this way? And I like to ask Jesus, even though it's like they all dwell in us, just because we're kind of used to seeing pictures of Jesus. We we don't have to overcome some some hurdle to get like Jesus is safe. You know, he's just safe. Yeah. And so, Holy Spirit's not like oh, well, okay, Jesus, go ahead. You know, if you don't want to talk to me. I mean, it's just it's just not that way. Okay. Yeah, 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 um, um, yeah. Okay, there's always a reason. There's something in our life. So. So every reaction had to have an action or a reason. So my life is going long and bam, something happened. That something is the reason that it happened. And when that thing happens in our life, there is a sin reaction or a wounding. Maybe the thing that happened is sin in my life, but I'm going on and something happens at a point in time and that thing then causes a wounding causes sin, guilt. Something has happened. God knows the exact point in time that that something happens. But if I don't deal with it and it festers, then similar kinds of things happen. Or I, I get guilt over that thing and I start to hide it. And then I create a stronghold of hiding it. And then something else. And priests do have this stronghold in me. And so... Um, Paul says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That is, they're not just things we can come up with, but they're mighty through God for the tearing down of strongholds, for the tearing down of this. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God, not through us, for the tearing down of strongholds, for we are taking captive every thought raised up against the obedience of Christ. Okay? So, in our mind a stronghold is formed, it happens somewhere, and Jesus knows where it happened. You can say, Jesus, why does this happen? And all of a sudden, wham, I'm right back, and I, I see a vivid picture, I have a memory, I have a, uh, a, a thought about something. You know, I never told Siri. Um, Jeannie, would you give me a heads up? At Is it already five minute warning? <sighs> something happened, I just talk too much. Something happened And there's a reason why it happened. And time doesn't heal us. It just makes us forget what's killing us. It doesn't go away. It's like bottled up and it just gets more fermented. Until we bring it to the light, that's what heals us. Sin doesn't go away, it has to be confessed away. It doesn't drain out the bottom, it has to come out. It has to come to the light. Wounding has to come to the light. That's why we need each other. It has to, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Right? The thing that causes the church to grow is speaking the truth in love. And so we need each other to be skillful in how to do this. So every issue started somewhere and there are two kinds of issues in our lives. We have things because so this is a quote and I always wondered why does he proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners you would think that's like Hebrew literature double sort of a, it's not because there's two kinds of things that happen in their life people are in prison because they committed a crime but people are captives because they were herded into a POW camp or they were herded into a concentration camp they didn't do anything and they were thrown in jail they were thrown in a camp okay these people didn't do anything except to be Jewish This guy probably did something, and now he's behind bars. But Jesus says, look, while there are different reasons why you're captive, and the approaches we take are different, they're both still captive. And so there's captives because they're wounded. This is primarily a wounding issue. I feel imprisoned emotionally because I've been wounded, I've been hurt. I may have had a sinful reaction, I may harbor unforgiveness, I may harbor fear. Uh, There may have been all kinds of things that I did as a result of the wounding, probably are, but my primary reason is, someone really took advantage of me. They really hurt me. This one is sort of the prodigal son. You know, I I was just disobedient. I, I chose disobedience. Yeah, there was temptation. Yeah, there maybe was some pain. There's almost always pain involved and confusion. And so when we go after things in our lives, um, we go after prisoners differently than we go after captives when we help each other. Prisoners, it's all about confession and repentance. Captives, it's all about knowing what's true. See, it's not, it's not what happened to me that makes me a captive. It's what I believe about what happened to me that makes me captive. Something bad could have happened, but it's like, you know what? My uncle had a problem, and I've forgiven him, and I hope he gets well, but I'm not his problem, and he's not my problem. I'm free from that. Other cousin could have been abused, and they're like, I'm fearful, I'm, you know, and, and every time I see him, I get, and I don't dare tell anybody. And Okay, and so same thing happened, but one believes a different thing than the other one does. And so for for captives, it's all about hearing truth and forgiving. For prisoners, it's all about hearing truth and repenting. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. Okay, any questions about, so we got through four foundations, now we're through six. The last four are a lot more procedural. Um, Any questions or thoughts about that? Did you get a lot of food for thought? Okay, if you don't have a book and want one, there's three up here, and there's plenty more where those came from. Yes, Franklin. I before leave, I be to leave, but can pray for Catherine before we Yes. 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 Yeah, thank you. I'm going to... Thank you, Frank, for bringing that up.